I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I don't no, understand. you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble. And I know it. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who's who we have tonight? Uh, I, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. We all know the risks of being on social media, but have you ever thought about the biggest risk? Do you mean getting murdered? We received a call from the Lueck family reporting that they had not heard from their 23-year-old daughter. I'm Jillian Lee Garner. And I'm Courtney Bell. We're the host of I Met My Murderer Online, the only true crime podcast to tell the chilling and tragic tales of how the internet can lead the unsuspecting into devastating dates with death. The search warrant resulted in the findings of a fresh dig area on his property. Each episode of our podcast is a true story told as a tightly woven thriller. You will hear from all who are involved in the case, the investigators, the droplets of blood, the way that the vehicle was left, victims' family members. That was our baby, and my baby's gone. Attorneys. Tiffany testified in court that he showed absolutely no remorse. Criminal psychologists. Sometimes people become a little too obsessed with the person they follow. And even the murderer themselves. I would pull the extension cord out. I put it around her neck. I held it for three or four minutes until I knew she was dead. We'll explore the warning signs, the red flags, and the twisted, tragic consequences that can result from online encounters. If you're a fan of true crime, then you'll want to listen to season two of I Met My Murderer Online. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And for updates, make sure to follow us on Instagram at IMMOPodcast. As I record this particular episode of Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen, I am literally just hours from finishing our most recent investigation, Takedown, that will air on my streaming crime network, True Blue. And the excuse I was given by the last guy who came into our stinghouse was something along the lines of the devil made me do it. Literally, a religious guy said he was led to this activity by Satan. And I'll talk more about that a little later in the podcast. 
But it's ironic that the predator I've caught whose case I'm going to look at in this episode also had a bit of a religious twist to it. You may remember Daniel Peter Kelly. He was a Scientologist at the time, former Scientologist now. But he sure wasn't religious when he was online talking to a decoy posing as a 13-year-old girl named Amber. Kelly surfaced in our investigation conducted in Flagler Beach, Florida, not too far from Daytona Beach. As you may recall, we had a nice little beach bungalow across the street from the Atlantic Ocean. There was a boardwalk. And in the course of the investigation, we started to see that some of the fellows were suspicious about coming into the house. And so the crew set up numerous hidden cameras along the boardwalk at the beach. And there was mm, a two-lane highway that ran right next to the Atlantic Ocean, the beach there, beautiful beach. And there was like, uh, as I mentioned, a boardwalk and you could take the stairs down to the beach. And so Kelly shows up there and he was one of the guys at the beach. And we'll get into all this in just a minute. But Kelly had a very, very explicit conversation with the decoy. And he spoke over four days online. The grooming was gradual, but ultimately pretty intense. And there's no question as to what he wanted to do with this 13-year-old girl. The decoy was actually a perverted justice volunteer, perverted justice, of course, the online watchdog group with which we partnered during so many of our predator investigations. The girl, the decoy, posing as the girl, was Judkin Amazin, 93. And Kelly's screen name was J. Peter DK 2000. The other thing that sticks out to me, and I've heard a lot of crazy talk a lot of adults trying to use sexual language in a way to make it acceptable to children. It's part of the grooming process to create the image of innocence. It's almost like taking a graphic porn film and turning it into a cartoon that a child would understand. Kelly even goes so far as to explain, and this is a predator first, online to the decoy, that he has three separate nicknames for his penis. Now, what 13-year-old wants to hear this? What goes on in Kelly's mind to make him think that it's okay to tell young Amber that over the years he's called his penis Lil Dicky, Gertrude, and Peter Pecker? Never got to ask him those specific questions, but you'll hear from him and specifically in his interrogation by the police in Flagler Beach. So the chat begins, as many do. The 13-year-old girl says, hey, do I know you? You do now. He made the first contact, obviously. LOL. 
I'm 45, male, Florida. You? Cool. I'm 13, female, Florida. Where in Florida? Now, he doesn't say, oh, my God, you're so young, I shouldn't be talking to you. Oh, this is stupid. Oh, your picture looks much older. He launches right in. She asks, where in Florida? Tampa. Cool. She says, I went there for cheer camp just to drive the point home that it's a child. He wants to know where she's from. What do you look like? She asks. She explains she's near Daytona. He asks her to check out his picture, which he does. Want to see mine? She asks. Sure. Always nice to have a face to chat to. For sure, she says. Cool. Aw, you're cute, she says. And then he asks, is that your brother with you? Yeah. Did you like your trip to Tampa, he asked. Talking about cheerleading camp, she attended. She says the picture is actually of her and her ex-boyfriend. Ah, already have an ex, huh? So he's, he's chatting, but he's looking for an opportunity to talk about an intimate relationship or the one that he wants to have with her. Then he says, I can see that you are very pretty. Oh, thank you, she says. So the boys are going to like you, that's for sure. Now, Kelly is a businessman who travels around to different events reselling merchandise. He's got a wife and children. Uh, but at that time, it's believed they were living in California. So he might have been living by himself on the west coast of Florida. They talk about what they like to do. She says, hmm, pretty much just hang out with people and party. How about you? Well, I don't do much cheerleading, he says. Funny guy. Although, I like to go dancing. Then he asks if she's got a cam. He says, I'm not as cute as you are. He, he, shush, she says. I would look funny in a skirt and tights. So you do a lot of partying, he wants to know? Like every weekend or what? Yeah, well, not really out here. I used to before I moved. Where did you move from? Detroit, she says. Quite the switch, yeah. Why Daytona? Because my mom and stepdad. Then little by little, he starts to try to break down the barriers we have in society between adults and children. He talks about his own childhood, his teenage years. He said he used to go to bars at 13, strip clubs, as a matter of fact, but that he was a virgin until the age of 19. Talk about video games. Now he's back at attempting to have an age-appropriate discussion. Asks if she does drugs. He says, you don't want to do drugs, that's for sure. Yeah, she says. I did do drugs as a teenager, he says, but quit when graduated from high school. Never done any since. That's really cool, she says. I drink once in a while, but not much. She says, yeah, I don't know. My ex liked getting me liquor. He was a jerk. And then he starts to talk about what a bad guy her ex was. How obviously... 
he didn't appreciate her. Now she's 13, remember? Then she wants to know about his ex. Wonderful lady, he says. Still very much good friends. We married young, raised our kids together, and needed to go our own way. Wow. He's going to explain this to a 13-year-old girl why he got divorced or separated? Well, that's really cool that you're still friends. Yeah, I'm a people person, he says. I love people, especially women, LOL. Everyone is special in their own way, and some women like you are extra special. Wow. Not only vibrant-spirited, but sexy, too. Bonus, he says. And there is nothing more special than great intimacy between a man and a woman. He's set the pick now. Then he says, Time for me to get naked and jump in the shower, meeting someone for dinner, business, parenthetically, and might not be back till late. Why does he have to tell her that? Because he wants to ultimately be in a shower with her. If you're still on, we can chat again later, he says. So this will escalate, this chat. And while she's had experience, she says, the decoy, with her exes, he wants to know specifically, have you gone all the way with any of them? No, she says. When you do it, it will be special for sure. And then she says she's going to log off and take a shower, to which he responds, I know you need somebody there to wash your back. Washing your back would lead to washing the back of your legs, to washing the front of your legs, and the front of your stomach. Who knows where it would lead? Well, it's not going to lead where he thinks it is, this fantasy. He talks about making out. Then there's talk about going all the way. And he says, You realize we could get into lots of trouble if we did, or at least I could. And then he says, I want you so bad. So ultimately, a meeting is set. And J. Peter DK 2000, Daniel Peter Kelly, 45 years old he is, drives all the way from Clearwater, Florida, about three hours to our Stinghouse in Flagler. We see him approach, and we see him park, and he heads down to the beach where he thinks he's going to meet Amber. All right, that's our boy. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. Now, Kelly, after he parks, walks along the road towards the boardwalk and the steps down to the beach. It's December 2006, and it's chilly out by Florida standards. He's got a jacket on, hands in his pocket. There are also three condoms in his pocket. We don't know that yet. The decoy greets him. He says, you are in the middle of nowhere, aren't you? She says, stay there. I'm just going to get my stuff real quick. And he starts to make his way down the boardwalk towards the outside decoy. 
Now, anytime we have a sting operation and we take it outside the confines of the sting house, it becomes a little tricky for a couple of different reasons. One, obviously we have to cover the area with our cameras and microphones, which we did in this case. And two, law enforcement has to figure out a way to contain the situation. What if the guy runs? What if he's armed? What if he tries to grab the decoy? None of these things usually happen, but they have to plan for it nonetheless. So in this case, detectives and officers with the Flagler Beach Police Department were actually under the boardwalk. Now, we could watch this whole thing on our monitor, but they're under there ready to arrest DJ, as he sometimes calls himself, Daniel Peter Kelly, once he tries to have a conversation with the decoy. I'm also going to try and talk to him, too. But it's a little tricky for me because I've got to walk across the street, across the highway from the house, and get there and try to convince him to come to me and have a conversation. And you'll hear here in just a minute how tricky that can be. You do lose a measure of control. That is right. When you take this thing outside of the house. That is right. Did that worry you? It did, but... We had officers posted all around the highway. There is a little bit of a conversation between Kelly and the onside decoy. She's actually standing on the beach, and he's towards the end of this boardwalk, a little ways down the steps. You can hear the sound of the ocean in the background. It was kind of a windy, wavy day. How does the drive over here? Good. Good. You can just stay up there. I'm coming up. You can just stay up there. I'm coming up, she says. So this was the part where the onside decoy leaves and... I'm supposed to have my conversation with him. And, and I come walking down the boardwalk. Ronnie Knight is behind me. The crews are not there just yet. We're still capturing all this on the hidden cameras. And Kelly is not pleased to see me. He knows he's been caught. He just doesn't know by whom. But he knows he's in trouble. Hey, DJ, could you come up here for a minute? Could you come up here for a minute? I'm shouting at him over the sound. And I really can't chase him because it could create a dynamic, potentially dangerous situation. What I'm trying to do is get him to come back up the stairs and have a conversation, which he doesn't do. He tries to walk down the beach, but he doesn't get very far. How you doing? All right. Good. I just want to talk to you for a minute. Hey, DJ, there's something I got to tell you, though. I'm Chris Hansen with Dayline NBC. And we're doing a story on uh, adults who try to meet teens online. What's that? So Kelly's not walking anymore. He actually starts jogging away down the beach. But the Flagler Beach police are running right behind him. And he's not going to get far. What do you do? Now, this is bizarre. He's got his car keys in his hand because obviously he's going to try to get off the beach, get into his car and get the hell out of there. But the officers detain him, cuff him. And they ask him to drop what he's got in his hands. And he says, it's it's car keys. They're my car keys. And he won't give them up. He does finally, but only after... All three officers in unison say, Let go of the keys! All right, all right. 
Stop resisting. I'm not resisting. He's put to the ground and handcuffed. He stops resisting. If what you've heard shocks you so far, join us back in a moment. Now, I don't get a chance to talk to Kelly, but the detectives do. Why are you here? I was going to have dinner and maybe go to a movie with a young lady. Dinner and go to a movie with a young lady. Well, that's not what he said in the chat, was it? All this talk about showers and wanting to scrub her back and her front. Acknowledging that if they got caught, he'd be in trouble. What does he say about the condoms in his jacket pocket? They found three condoms in your pocket. Yeah, I always carry condoms with me. You always carry three condoms in your pocket? Well, actually, they've been there for quite a while. And I, I mean, I'm, I didn't sing- know I I'm had single. Three. I'm not married and I don't carry condoms around. Okay. And here he continues to deflect. She wanted to possibly go to a movie. She wanted to go to dinner. Like, this is all the fault of some 13-year-old girl that he drove three hours across the state of Florida to meet. Where do you live? Clearwater. You drove all the way over here from Clearwater? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any other reason to come over here to the Blackwood Beach area? Um, Other than to meet? No. Someone who you thought was 13-year-old Amber? No. So you specifically came over here to to meet this 13-year-old girl that you met online? Yeah. And your intentions were to take her out to dinner? Yeah, and possibly a movie. She's talked about wanting to go to a movie. To a movie. Then the detective wants to get into some specific detail about Kelly's chat with someone he thought was a 13-year-old girl. I'm looking at your computer transcripts there. Okay. Of all your conversations with with this uh, this person. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It got out of hand at some points. I realized that. Yeah. And that's why I'm sitting here. You're going to have to explain this to me, Okay. And I want to give you an opportunity to explain yourself, if you can. There's no explanation, sir. Why would you come all the way over here to see a 13-year-old child, female child, mm-hmm. um, other than to engage in some type of sexual activity? That Because that's what it sounds like that's, I got when it. you read these transcripts. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. To, to be honest with I mean, you... if you were a reasonable person, would you not agree with me? Yeah, let me answer your question. To be honest with you, I actually considered, you know, the uh, ramifications of possible sexual activity with this person, and it scared the shit out of me. It scared the shit out of me, he tells the detective, considering the ramifications of having sex with the 13-year-old girl, but he did it anyway. And the detective wants to know why, and Kelly never gives a real good answer to that. I think it might happen if you come over here so no. better not to put yourself in that position or no actually i i um i didn't know if i was dealing with a real person at the other end and if she was i didn't want her to uh, um be brushed off as a person so i came here to have dinner and have movies or possibly take her to a movie okay but let's just, just to just in the sake that she was a real person okay, and just to Dan, give her that much she- wait a minute What he's saying is he didn't want to hurt her feelings or diminish her in any way as a real person. She knew she was 13, or he thought she was 13. And at no time other than saying he could get into trouble does he show a conscience that at 45 he could be the first sexual experience this child has and really messing this kid up for life. And now he's going to try to tell the detective 
that it's because he didn't want to make her feel bad about herself? Because he didn't drive across the state of Florida to take her to a movie and have dinner? He's got two kids in their 20s. And in spite of his big story about being divorced and still being on good terms with his ex and they stayed together to raise the children and all that, he's still married. Now he's going to have to explain this. Let's just say she was a real person and she's 13 years old. Right. So you're meeting a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Maybe mom and dad's out of town or whatever. So she's by herself. Um, I don't think it would have gone any further than that, sir. I don't think it would have gone any further than dinner in a movie. What does a 45-year-old man have to talk about with a 13-year-old child who's not his daughter or son? What are they going to talk about at dinner? What else is there for this predator to say except things involving grooming a child for sex? He's just going to mentor her? I just don't buy it, and neither does the detective. They found three condoms in your pocket. Yeah, I always carry condoms. So is there a reason why? Was it just on the, maybe just the, no. just the chance that something, if something did happen, you'd have the protection and, and no. the child would be protected? No, I wouldn't. I just Well, you just got done saying that you thought maybe, you thought... Early on in the conversations, as you'll see in there, yeah. Now he's scrambling in his mind to recall exactly what he did say in the online conversation so he can mitigate the damaging words. And again, this isn't the detective's first rodeo here. Later in the conversations, you'll see that, you know, I express my feelings about doing anything other than going to dinner or a movie. Well, there's there's a lot of sexual dialogue. Yeah, I know, I know. You acknowledge that. Absolutely. Absolutely, I can't deny that, that's for sure. Have you ever? No, I haven't. Have you ever had this, this problem before? No. And do you acknowledge that this is a problem? Yes. It's a problem, all right. And he tries to convince the detective that he's never done this before. Hmm. What do you think? That you've never had this problem before? Have you ever engaged in conversations like this with anyone else that you perceive to be a... Uh, not a minor. On the no. She's... No. Well, not that I remember or were aware that she was minor anyway. Do you go into chat rooms a lot? I'd have to say yes. And he admits that he goes into the chat rooms a lot. Well, Daniel Peter Kelly is charged with crimes associated with him showing up in this sting operation. More of our story in a moment. Kelly is able to bail out of the jail pretty quickly, but not before he makes friends with another predator I've caught, Todd Spikes. Remember Todd? Todd was the policeman from a small town at the Alabama-Florida border. He drove all the way some five hours to have sex with a teenage girl after a week-long graphic conversation. Todd also had a vehicle full of weapons assault rifle, handguns, hundreds of rounds of ammunition. He didn't come into the house. He was arrested by police in the area. He showed up after we had shut down our investigation for the night. So now Todd and Daniel Kelly are pals. They share a cigarette and 
because Kelly has a car, he gives Todd a ride to his. As far as I know, that's where the friendship ended. Kind of bizarre that the two hit it off that way. Maybe it was just a friendship of necessity at the moment. Many of the predators I'd caught in Flagler Beach took a plea agreement. Some faced short jail sentences. Some got probation. Daniel Peter Kelly decided to fight hard for years. He was first arrested in 2006, and his case didn't ultimately get adjudicated until 2010. Four years he fought it. He even tried to force me to testify. And get this. He said that a journalist who witnessed a crime should be forced to testify. Well, he's admitting to a crime then. Ultimately, his request was denied by a judge. I never had to testify in his case. And finally, Daniel and his little dicky Gertrude, Peter Pecker, pleaded no contest to lewd and lascivious battery of a child. He got two years in prison, two years probation, and he had to register as a sex offender for life in Florida. He was released from prison in 2012, but he was deported because actually he was a Canadian citizen. We didn't know this till later. And so off he went back to Canada, not to be allowed in the U.S. again. It's unclear what happened in his family life, and we don't have a way to reach out to him. I'd like to talk to Daniel Peter Kelly. I've got a lot of questions for him, even though he tried to answer them when the detective asked very similar questions. And as always, I like to hear from you. And this question of the week comes from Emily in Jacksonville, Florida. Hey, Chris, this is Emily in Jacksonville, Florida. Longtime fan. I even have your autograph and a photo of you and my dad when you were a keynote speaker for a luncheon at the Virginia Attorney General's office. I think it was April 2009. I love that picture because it's candid and you're cracking up while my dad is reading you an email from his Blackberry. Remember those? And I'm freaking out in the email because I was so jealous that my dad got to meet you and I was hoping you guys would become best friends. Anyway, on to my question. What I really want to know is, what's the origin story of TCAP? Was that your brainchild? Was it something that, you know, you brought to Dateline and said, I think I want to do this story? Was it assigned to you by a producer? I just want to know, you know, how did this Predator universe come to be? Anyway, love the podcast. Loving True Blue, and I can't wait to hear and watch more. Thanks. Thank you, Emily. And I do remember giving that speech in Virginia in 2009. And I do remember the Blackberry, actually. God, I was addicted to those things. It's how we communicated, and now they're gone. The origin of the Predator franchise came about this way. I was at Dateline, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's a reporter in Detroit, and he told me about this online watchdog group, Perverted Justice. And at the time, Perverted Justice had decoys going to chat rooms, and if the decoy was approached by a man and there was talk of sex, 
and a meeting was set, they would post this guy's information on their website and sometimes alert their employer. And people could go to the website and see who was caught by perverted justice. Anyway, I started thinking that if we could use perverted justice decoys and combine our ability to wire a house with hidden cameras and microphones, it could be quite compelling. So I pitched the story to Dateline in 2004. And in February of 2004, we did our first investigation in Bethpage, Long Island. And I was driving out there wondering if anybody would show up if we had just wasted tens of thousands of dollars of the network's money. Well, within two and a half days, 17 guys surfaced in that investigation, including a New York City firefighter. I had no idea at the time, Emily, that this would become the franchise it is today. Almost 20 years later, I'm still doing investigations. And as I mentioned, just last night, we wrapped another. Among those who surfaced, a 30-year-old man who came for a teenage girl was driving his truck around in a trailer all day. That's his job. Married, young child. And he explains to me how the devil made him do it. That's a predator first. That episode will be coming up very soon on my streaming crime network, True Blue, under the Takedown franchise. We've got some 36 or 38 episodes up now on True Blue. And we have a lot of other great documentaries in the works about sextortion, about some fiends that are out there in the world preying upon people. Some very compelling topics. We probably have a dozen documentaries in process right now. Some in editing, some will be out very soon. And I'll have word on those in the next few weeks. But thank you for once again sharing your time with me, Emily, and everyone else. If you're looking to find me, I'm on Twitter at, at Chris Hansen, official Chris Hansen on Instagram, all over Facebook, and on TikTok. Have a seat with Chris Hansen. True Blue, T-R-U-B-L-U, watch trueblue.com for details. And as always, you can find me here at chris at predatorpodcast.com. I'll be watching and listening.